Hello and welcome to the Hill and Valley. This is Nick Roby once again. Joining us today is special guest Faxon Childress. Faxon uh, is here with 105 The Roar as a producer. You've heard him uh, on the radio with high school football. He's been the play-by-play guy. I got to do the color with him, which was super fun. He's also done broadcasts for college basketball around. He does some women, uh, Clemson women's basketball and has just a lot of knowledge of the programs. And so just super excited for him to join us today. Faxon, how are you doing? Yeah, very excited to be here. Very blessed. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, ready to talk some Clemson hoops. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I was super pumped. Faxon, I've been been talking about wanting to get to talk some hoops. We're both excited. And of course, we're in the middle of finishing up the Clemson football season and a lot that, that that's going on. But don't want to miss just some fun teams that we get to talk about and both have played three games and it's still we're still in this kind of a feel of, of getting to feel out the teams so I thought it might be fun to have Faxon on who is very knowledgeable on both teams and just college basketball in general so I thought we could we could talk about both teams so Faxon if it's cool with you I think we should just start with the men's team who just uh, of course came off of the Asheville championship and I guess just curious, like, what are your, like, just kind of takeaways early on in the season? Like, what are some, what are, are there a couple things that just really stood out to you from this team, like, just coming in after three games? Yeah, I think they played terrible, and they're 3-0, if you want me to be completely honest. No, I mean, that's, I, I, we're I, just here. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, people on the staff would tell you, this is nowhere near the best that this Clemson team can play, and that's the most exciting part yeah. of the start to the season. You get to bring home a trophy, you get two big non-con wins in this Asheville a championship classic, whatever you want to call it. Um, to beat a team like UAB, who's going to contend for their league because they're mm-hmm. very well coached and they do yeah. every year, who, by the way, ended up beating Maryland in that third place yep. game. I yep. think that's something that's important to remember as well. And then to beat Davidson, who's going to be in the mix for their league as well. I mean, these are big accolades, and you did it while playing, in my opinion, your C to C plus type of game. I mean, if we're just being realistic about the situation, against UAB, Clemson's backcourt played terrible in the first half. Chase and Joe couldn't buy a shot. Uh, mm-hmm. PJ was really carrying the brunt of the load. Chase ended up picking it up big time in the second half. Joe had a big game against Davidson after Clemson went down 19-2 to to start that game. Yeah. So, like, getting Joe integrated is going to take a while. And at the end of the day, this is going to be a work in progress to get what Clemson wants to do from a philosophical perspective down offensively because Chase is used to having the ball in his hands. Joe's used to having the ball in his hands. They still got to work out how they're going going to work and complement mm-hmm. each other. But I think Clemson has played very sloppy through three games and they're 3-0, and out, and that's very encouraging to me. The sky is really the limit for this team because there's going to be a point in the season where they click, and it's going to get really, really scary. They're going to start blowing some folks out when they click, Nick, and it's just a matter of time, in my opinion. So continue to just grind through this non-con slate. Got a big game upcoming soon against Boise State, and then you head to Tuscaloosa after that. But think they played C to C-plus basketball and are 3-0 and and brought home a trophy. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to undersell, like, if you hear, like, you know, sometimes these in these early in-season tournaments, you're like, how, how much should we take away from that? Yeah. I do think it's something to be significant about because you could very easily from this kind of tournament, I mean, unfortunately, like, like Maryland, they're 0-2 licking their wounds, and at least Clemson, they're working through stuff, but you rather work through stuff and wins yeah. than in the reverse. And also, too, like... We talked about this in the previous episode, but facts and like it, we don't want to undersell like how big that comeback was. In both games, they were both, they were down double digits, but they were down nineteen to two, twenty three to five. And I've seen teams in the past where it's very it would be very 
understandable for them to be like, well, it's just not our night and we're just not going to go. Yeah. But for them to fight back and seeing, I just feel like even in that game, seeing how much Joe started to click. Oh, yeah. I, it was really important. I guess for people who like are still trying to get to know a guy like Joe Girard, like how good is this guy? Like how, like what do you think is like a realistic expectation for him or just how do you think he could really fit into this team once he really gets going? Yeah. I mean, it's undeniable that Joe Girard is a talented scorer. You look at a guy that was the leading scorer in ACC play last year. I think it was 17.8 points per game. And then PJ yeah. was right behind him at 17.6 points per game. I could have that flipped, but they were the top two scorers in ACC yeah, it was play last there. year. Yeah. Um, and to have both those guys on the same team is nothing short of a luxury. Now, when it comes to Gerard, he spent four years at Syracuse playing zone defense. Yeah. That's going to be the biggest thing over the course of the season is how sure. can he adjust to man-to-man defense? Can he be physical enough? Can he not be a liability on that end? And thus far, they've had some teams try and go at him, teams try to pick at him. I think that he's been a pretty good defender thus far. And obviously, you got to keep real, uh, expectations realistic. He's a six-foot, six-foot-one guard uh, that's not super athletic. That's not the crux of his game. And he's being asked to take on some tough defensive matchups against guys that are bigger, faster, and stronger than him. So I think he's held his own on that end so far. And then offensively, rough couple of first games shooting the basketball. But you really saw the breakout against Davidson in the Asheville Championship. Knocked down five three balls. Started 0 for 4 from beyond the arc. Ended up 5 for 12. Mm-hmm. So knocked down five of his last eight from beyond the arc. That's who Joe Girard is. He's a guy that you can get the ball to in a late shot clock situation. He's going to be able to create for himself and others and knock down jump shots. So that's why you bring a guy like that in from the transfer portal. I think he unlocks a completely new elements to the Clemson offense. And once again, like it's just going to be interesting to monitor how him and Chase mesh over the course of the season. Because last year, Chase didn't really have a running mate that was a ball handler in the backcourt, right? It was right. a lot of Alex Hemingway when he was involved. A lot of guys that could play off the ball and defend. And then Clemson would go big, playing Hunter Tyson at the three, Chef at the four, and PJ at the five. This year, you're going to see a little bit different look. Wig has been starting the season at the three, Chauncey Wiggins. You're going to see some Jack Clark there as well. Both of those guys are a little bit quicker than Hunter Tyson. Maybe provide you a little bit more off the dribble. Obviously, Hunter Tyson was so good for the Tigers last Mm -hmm. year. But with Hunter Tyson's leaving and leaving that absence in scoring production, Joe Girard slides into the two guard, and he can pick up some of that scoring production. So I just think it's about replacing what Hunt gave you, and Girard provides a lot of that in the scoring call. Yeah, he really does. And I, and I don't want to undersell too. Like you made this point and switching from the the strong zone that this Syracuse team played to switching him to man, that is a transition. And like you said, with his like size and its natural other defenders that Clemson has, like PJ Hall's a good defender. Chase Hunter is a great on-ball defender. So it's natural for them to pick somebody else in a man-to-man. You usually try to pick a matchup. So it's like, I think he has done as good a job as you can ask a guy who hasn't played man for a long time and coming into this matchup and with his size, I think he's done a decent job. And I think what I like too is that in the Davidson game is that he got to just catch and shoot somewhere. He didn't have to like force it. Yeah. And I, I like to like, I like the offense. I'm curious your thoughts on this offensively as they try to get in the mix. I thought in the first half with Davidson is that they settled for some threes because Davidson was giving to him and, and they'll hit some of them, but they got cold and Davidson runs a great offense. And in the second half, they threw the ball more into PJ Hall. They threw it more into RJ Godfrey and made the defense collapse. And then you gave some shooters open opportunities and then it spreads defense out versus like settling for the three, I guess how offensively, I mean, do you, do you feel like PJ Hall, you look for PJ Hall first scoring wise and at least make the defense 
have to account for him first? I mean, is that like how you would go about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think PJ is the best big man in the league. I, I would take him over Armando Baycott, in my opinion, which I know might be a little bit of a controversial take. But when you, when you look at scoring prowess and how they're getting their points, Baycott's using size and strength and doing a lot of cleanup work oh, on the yeah. offensive glass. Pick and roll game, he's really solid. PJ Hall is a legitimate three-level scorer that is menacing on all three levels. He can hit the 18-footer from the elbow. He can hit the sweet shot uh, spot jumper on the baseline. He can step out and he shot almost 40% from three last year as an almost seven-footer. And then his post game is dominant. He's got the fade. He's got the hook. He's got the drop step. He can dunk on people. He's got touch around the basket. He's a great free throw shooter. So uh, this is one of the best players in America that's kind of hiding uh, in the rough here at Clemson because Clemson doesn't get a lot of respect on a national level for their basketball program. And, you know, in my opinion, that's a little unfair. Brad Reynolds gone to a Sweet 16 here uh, back in 2018. Clemson's had some really darn good basketball teams, and, and this mm-hmm. is another one of those really good teams. People aren't really aware of how good this Tiger team's going to be this year right now or how good P.J. Hall is. I promise some eyes are about to start opening, especially if Clemson can beat Boise State this weekend and then go on the road and beat uh, Tus- Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Then you're going to be on national watch. You're going to have a lot people hopping on the P.J. Hall train. So offensively, you got to play through P.J. He's your best player. And it's also key for P.J. to stay out of foul trouble in these games because yeah. I do feel like if there's a weakness on Clemson's roster, uh, it would be back up big. Boz Light's a great player. He can provide you some good minutes to transfer from UNCG. But it's more just about when P.J.'s off the floor, the team is completely different from when P.J. is on the floor. So anything he can do to stay on the floor, got to stay out of foul trouble, but obviously just such a fantastic player. Yeah, and I think he he's increased his game big time. And I think, too, even like nationally, like Clemson was picked fifth in the conference, which in like last year they, they were picked like, yeah. I want to say ninth or tenth or something like that, that kind of level. So I it's getting there a little bit, but this team also has to kind of like start to, to earn that too. And I think there's there's big opportunities for sure. And I think the Alabama game is, is a big one to watch. It's a late tip, but in a couple weeks, it's late Tuesday night. If you can watch that game, it's a big matchup. And even if Clemson doesn't win, I think they have a good opportunity with some tough competition competition and then the Asheville game was really important but I like I, I want to go back to the, the foul trouble point and I, I would say if there is like I want to say a weakness or something he's continuing to work on is rebounding I think you're, that's the biggest thing you're going to yeah. miss for Hunter Tyson is rebounding and that's something I've noticed early and they're, they're working on it but rebounding for him and just in general as a team they're trying to pick up that slack and then second is the foul trouble I think for him especially it's getting the second foul in the first half because yeah. he has to sit and then you're asking some other guy like RJ Godfrey or you know Boz Light to have to play more minutes and it just changes the team but I'm curious too like I want to talk about RJ Godfrey too but also like are there other guys on this team that we haven't talked about as much or even as people are getting used to this team like who's someone else to yeah, look out for. Chauncey Wiggins. And I, I, he's had a rough start to the season shooting the basketball. Uh, he started in all three games. And I'm telling you guys, this kid's going to be an NBA player. Uh, he, he's an absolute pro, in my opinion. And a lot of it for him is, I think, his rhythm and mental. And I have no doubt that he's going to be able to right the ship and start shooting the ball a little bit better. But anytime you have a guy that is six foot ten and can legitimately play shooting guard small forward because of his skill set yeah. he's an alien that's what RJ called him he's an alien I think it's the perfect word for it Chauncey's skilled he can put the ball on the ground or put the ball on the floor rather and, and dribble and beat people off the dribble he can shoot it uh, if there's one area of improvement it would just be physicality defense rebounding and those things which are he's going to continue to work his way into his mm-hmm. body in the weight room he's already put on 12 to 15 pounds of muscle over the course of the offseason but it's going to get lost in the show 
shuffle because there are other names. Chauncey Wiggins is going to have a couple really big games for the Tigers this year. And on top of that, he might be the best player on the team headed into next year, just when you look at who's going to be returning. So I would say keep your eye on Wig. Uh, fantastic player. Going to end up being a fantastic player for Clemson. And then somebody that we've just become accustomed to and taken for granted, and maybe I'm even guilty of it to an extent, uh, Alex Hemingway is a really valuable piece to this basketball team. And mm-hmm. when you look at last year and how Clemson lost a couple of those games late in the season, they could have really benefited from Alex Hemingway. And I got to give credit to Alex. He has busted his tail in the weight room. He has busted his tail agility-wise. He's busted his tail becoming a better defender because he is a legitimate, viable defensive option at a Power 5 program now. And that's not something you could say his freshman year when he was 145 pounds soaking wet, came in looking like a string bean. And, hey, I'm a skinny guy too. (laughs) Alex has put in the work in the weight room. He deserves a lot of credit for dealing with a lot of adversity, whether it be coming off the bench when he was expected to be a starter in a couple of games over the course of a couple of seasons, injury setbacks all throughout last year. He's come back for his fifth year. He's shooting the basketball extremely well early to start the season, and he's guarding. I've been really impressed with Alex Hemingway, and I feel like it probably gets easy to just take him for granted because he's been here for five years, and we know what his skill set's like. He's really worked on his game, and, and he's really improved as a defender over the course of the last four years. Yeah, and, and it's tough to when you – I could imagine being when, – when you are, quote-unquote, a three-point specialist, or that's like your top game, and if that shot's not falling right away – it's very easy to kind of like look past the guy or like you feel like he starts to become a liability. And I would agree. He really has worked defensively because like we said in the man to man, that's the one thing with the defense in a zone. You are more collectively as a team, but with like, I would equate like a man to man as like an offensive line is like, if one guy is not, able to pick up his slack, yeah. it, the whole team, it, it, they still score. They still, like, the other team makes the play. Get so. put on that island is not fun in the ACC, man. Like, no, he, and there's you get put some, on that like, island against, some great guards. Oh, man. Against, uh, some of these guards are unbelievable in the ACC, Nick. So he's taking a lot of tough tasks as well. And Alex is going to be a guy that probably comes off the bench for the majority of the year just because, I mean, you got Chase 15-5 and five last year in ACC mm-hmm. play, and you got Joe Girardi who averaged 18 a game. Uh, if you want to go three-guard set and go smaller, you could throw Alex into the starting lineup as a three. I think there will be games he starts this year, but just coming off the bench, being a viable defender, being a great three-point shooter, and he's able to put it off. I, I, he's attempted 15 shots this year, and all 15 have been three-pointers because that's his role. But don't sleep on Alex. He, he is a lot more capable now. Now in 2023, taking people off the dribble than he was in, say, 2019. He's, he's added a little bit of that part to his game as well and has become a lot smarter as a passer and a mm-hmm. dribbler as well. So really overall, his game has grown a lot, and I'm really proud to see the growth with him and what. Yeah, I'm looking at stats. He's got two assists per game. It's very early, but he's got two assists yep. in there. And, I, yeah, I would agree. I think he's worked a lot really hard. And, and these bench pieces are going to be big because – in the ACC in a conference like this, you, you can't just have a starting five. You can't just have five guys. You need to be eight, nine guys yep. deep at least. And and I think Clemson can go deeper than that. Um, before we just go on to this from talking about individual people, I mentioned him and, and you've tweeted about him. And I just want to give a shout out to RJ Godfrey. <laughs> and just because I was just so personally impressed with him from this weekend. I think for me, he was the guy who really stood out to me. Now that because other guys, I was looking to see like how Joe Girard fit in with the offense. I was looking to see how PJ takes the next level. And you want to see these things. But a guy for me is like, I don't want to miss us to miss as a as, as people who are like watching Clemson basketball. Like this, the level that RJ Godfrey took was just really impressive to me. Like, can you talk about like 
what aspects of his games that you've noticed or like how how good can this guy be like what do you think his role kind of be going in this season and beyond yeah I mean you know me and RJ went to the same high school so we grew up in the in the same area so I've known RJ and watched him play basketball for a while he has the best motor of anybody on this Clemson team and the effort and the energy that he brings to the mm-hmm. court are never going to be in question and he's like that off the court too just a very energetic very positive guy he's always uplifting others around him and I think to have a piece like that coming off the bench he's always going to have impact even if it's not showing up in the box score because he's a great teammate he's a great defense guy he's got a lot of energy he's going to give 150 percent on every freaking play and and that's something that you can't coach and uh that's something that's just part of what he brings from an intangibles perspective but when we want to talk about x and o's and talk about how rj godfrey's worked on his game i mean offensively significantly more polished from year one to year two And, and that's showing already added a little bit of a post fade to his bag and his arsenal. The mm-hmm. hook has looked significantly better this year. He's got a lot more touch around the rim, um, has done a lot better job of cleaning up some of those putbacks and tips that he missed uh, frequently last year. Maybe frequently isn't fair, but there were a couple tips and putbacks last year that I'm sure he would have loved to have back, and his touch on those has seemed much improved headed yes. from last year to yes. this season. So just overall, I think he's a lot better of a basketball player. I think he's a lot more polished offensively, and then what he brings defensively, had three blocks in the Asheville Championship against Davidson, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I think he had 12.7 boards, three blocks was his final stat line, something like that. Um, hey, listen, man, athletic freak, um, defensive matchup nightmare because he can switch onto these smaller guards and keep up with them with his lateral quickness, and he can block jump shots, which we've seen him do. He can block shots at the rim. He can rebound. He can run the floor as the rim runner, and uh, you know, I, I'm really just proud of RJ, and I see the work he puts in on a daily basis, and he's in there every day working on his jump shot, working on his game, trying to get better. So he still can't hold me in Madden, and he would tell you that himself. But he's, like, he's, he's got me in basketball. I got to give him that. <laughs> no, there you go. It sounds like a challenge. Um, yeah, I just want to shout out. I just feel like his play where he – P.J. Hall is out. I think whether it's a little bit of foul trouble and just some like just energy, um, just a break, RJ gets double teamed on the block. And I just – it was really impressed with this move is he, he – drives into the baseline, does the reverse dunk. I feel it's like he finished with the authority, but his ability to move past, he could see the double team coming and he moved around them. I just like that's such an energizing play. And it's like, it's a dunk. It's like, okay, like, but I feel like that really helps set the tone offensively in the first half and really help this team. So Man, RJ was talking his talk after that too, which is rare for him. Like he's <laughs> like, like RJ is an energy guy, but he's also like a really humble guy and he doesn't like talking or getting fired up. So somebody must have said something to him because he was like he, he, was, he, he was, was talking his talk and I and I love that. I would love to see him do that more. It it was good to see it was good to see some fight back from oh, his yeah. team. And I feel like that really really helped. And also like just while we're at it, but and maybe last thing to wrap up his individual players section. Um it changed the entire game, in my opinion, when Josh Beadle came into the game early in the first half. Mm-hmm. He set the tone defensively. Um, he had a steal. He had a nice and one layup, knocked down some free throws. Like, yes. I, you know, a guy that's going to get forgotten because there's a lot of star power, especially at guard with this Clemson roster. I personally think Josh Beadle should be playing more. I think he provides a lot of defensive intensity. I think his offensive game is a work in progress. But I, once again, a guy that I know really well and a guy that I see putting in the work on his jump shot and his game uh, and his athleticism and talent on the offensive end of the floor is undeniable. So we're, we're going to see if they free Beadle up a little bit and let him uh, rock out a little more off the bench. But I think that's a guy that still provides undeniable value to this Clemson basketball team uh, when he's be- being given a chance to showcase his talents. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought that and one play was really was 
was really big, and he's still coming back from a, a, you know his little bit car of injury, crash, and, yeah, yeah and which it, is really unfortunate. But I, I'm I'm impressed to see him like already back so soon, and, and and knowing that he's been putting the work in this, and defensively, like he just gives a great energy off the bounce, and that's what. That's what this team like. There's so many. We haven't even talked about Dylan Hunter. Yeah. Like Dylan Hunter's been doing a great job, and I feel like I've seen him improve. And, and like I, I don't think that Brownell is underselling how deep this team is. Yeah. And I know it, there, there's some coach speaker like, okay, we're, we're you know we're so and so amount deep, but really it's like we're eight deep. You know, I really think this team is ten plus deep, and that's the tricky part is that they're trying to figure out these minutes. There's only so many minutes and there's only one basketball. But I think once they get this fine-tuned, and that's why I'm so glad for games like Boise State and like Alabama and like some of these South Carolinas later. You know, I'm glad that some of these games are later so this team can get into rhythm versus like last year, Clemson took that early loss to South Carolina. They took some early lumps as they're trying to figure out this offense and P.J. was coming back versus now – you can build momentum, and just unfortunately, the way college basketball is, is that the net ranking plays a huge. Yeah, it plays a huge factor, and so you need to take care of business when you can. You I mean, know? to be honest, Clemson is very fortunate to not lose either of those games in the Asher yes, Championship yes. because while they are respected mid-major opponents that we know are very well coached and established. That would have hurt Clemson in the net rating a lot. And as we saw last year with the complete hose job towards the end of the season uh, and what legitimately felt like a vendetta against the Tigers on Selection Sunday – Got to be able to clean up these non-con games. Got to be able to win them. Uh, because if you lose to somebody that's lowly rated in the net rating, that could be your kiss of death on Selection Sunday. Yeah, it really can. And and, and, and it's just more of like that's just how the system's working. Yeah. And so it's like you got to just roll with how it's going. So we talk about the non-conference, but like is there a you – can, you can go into ACC as well. But I'm just like curious as we're moving into like teams, like games you're looking to watch this upcoming season, maybe the next – few weeks next month or so you can go however you want but is there a certain team you're like man i want to see how clemson looks i want to see how clemson looks against duke and i think the games in cameron indoor stadium this year if i'm not mistaken you can fact check me on yep, that it is on the uh, january 27th yeah uh, i'm interested to see how clemson fares against duke up in cameron indoor obviously last year got the big win at home uh against the blue devils uh stormed the court that was a very fun experience they're loaded, dude. I don't know if you watched them last night yeah. against Michigan State. They're absolutely freaking loaded. And uh, Shire's figured out some things. I got to give him some credit where it's due. I think people are going to underrate John Shire for the entirety of his coaching tenure because of the shoes that he's filling with one of the greatest college basketball coaches ever. Shire is a great, great, fantastic yes. head coach yes. who's really sharp. And they have a, a full blown identity on both sides of the ball in year two in his coaching tenure. Filipowski coming back can't be talked about enough. I mean, might oh. be the best player in the entire. ACC, absolute monster, athletic guards that can score and put the ball on the floor, uh, talented wings that have elite size. I'm just interested to see how Clemson hangs with the big dogs. That's really what it is. I'm not expecting a win in Cameron Indoor. I'm obviously not going to count the Tigers out in any game, but that's just one I've had circled on the calendar, which is, okay, you know, if if Clemson wants to be a legitimate contender to make a title run, those are going to be good gauge games. Also, obviously, Always going to be interested to see how they play against North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year's showing was rough up in the Dean Dome when the Tigers were in a little bit of a lull. Also, that's just a cursed building for Clemson. I'm not going to give them too much for uh, North Carolina was hitting some crazy shots. So uh, it'll be interesting to see PJ versus Baycott again. Uh, two best bigs in the ACC outside of Filipowski, in my opinion. So uh, Duke and North Carolina, man, all the tobacco road games, those just mean a little bit more. And, and I always have those circled as one set. I'm excited to watch. Oh, for sure. And, and- 
and when they're on the road too, especially. It's like Clemson traditionally hasn't won those games. And so where's Clemson against North Carolina this year? If you don't mind me asking. No, no, I was going to go through the schedule. So okay. they play. Um, they, they played North Carolina twice and Duke once. They have to go to Cameron, okay. but North Carolina, it's a home-and-home. Home. Okay. But the home is early. It's early in the ACC slate, so I was going to go through some some big matchups yeah. to watch, obviously. Upcoming is Boise, Alcorn, at Alabama, and then they play Pitt on the road for the first ACC game of ACC Championship weekend. Hey, it, I, I remember at Pitt last year was the game where, uh, where Chauncey sneaky. came off the bench yeah. and hit that floater that ended up winning us the game, so... Uh, that's a tough match. I mean, Capel has done a good job up there. The fact they made the tournament last year after being picked so low in the ACC was very impressive. So that, that's a really tough environment to play in. Especially for a first ACC game on the road. Yeah, it's and, not kind from the ACC guys. Yeah, and then you get South Carolina okay. at home. TCU, another. I mean, that's... that's Yeah, that game's in Canada. That's a Toronto game. Yeah, and then at Memphis. So that's... <sighs> and have you seen Memphis's? Average age in their uh, starting five is 23 years old. They have five transfers that are in their starting wow. five, and all are 22 or older. So that's going to be a really tough game. Yeah, so, so as I'm saying, there's some good – Clemson definitely has upped its non-conference. Yeah, um, one of the best in the country. And, I mean, like with that, you've got a chance to get quality quad one wins and make the committee not have any questions about you. Clemson goes on the road and beats a team like Alabama, and I have no worries about them missing the NCAA tournament. If yeah. you want me to be completely honest with no, you. No, no, I mean like, – those are the type of wins that get you off the bubble in the entirety, and you can start talking six or seven seed at that point. Yeah, no, for sure. And then, and then their ACC, their ACC slate is tough. I mean, because then it's like Happy New Year. You get, you get to go at Miami on the third, and then you get North Carolina in the midweek or like and three days later, it's and then boring, and then man. you go at Virginia Tech on a Tuesday night, which is that's not the easiest place to play. Is that back to back to back games? Yes, a three game road trip of at Miami. No, no, sorry, sorry, and at Miami, North Carolina at home. At home, okay, okay, and then at Virginia Tech. But yeah, I'm saying no, that's, that's after hit. Like that's still early brutal season. Yeah, and then you have a stretch of. Um, Georgia Tech, who always just seems to play Clemson They well. do, but they're struggling. They lost to UMass uh, Lowell last night. They've got a couple good players. Miles um, Kelly is one of the best players in the entire conference, but he yeah. doesn't have a lot of help. And then they brought in uh, Damon Stoudemire from the Boston Celtics to be their head coach. That was a fantastic hire. I'm not yeah. sure how they got him to take that job. But I know. Yeah, they, really They'll is. be trending upwards over the next five years. It's going to be a work in progress down there in Atlanta, though. No, I, I agree. And then I meant, and I missed Boston College is at home, Georgia Tech at Florida State, at Duke, Louisville. Virginia at North Carolina. So it's like, we don't have to go through the whole schedule, but my point is just like, there are opportunities, but I think this, the ACC was quote unquote, maybe a little bit down, but I also, you could also argue like it's, sometimes it's viewed down because when the big, yeah, when Duke and North Carolina aren't one seeds, people would just say that the ACC is down. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of opportunities, but Clemson has to have their game, and yeah. I think that's where like these games like Boise State this weekend are big. Yeah, so. Clemson's got to win this weekend. That, that's just my personal opinion on it. Um, you know, Clemson's got to win these non-cons. They got to clean up in the non-con um, because that allows you some room for error in the conference slate and knock on wood god forbid i mean these are some of my best friends somebody's going to get hurt there's going to be some level of adversity over the course of the season you're going to go on a two or a three game skid at some point and you know that's just going to happen to every single team in the yeah. country and nobody is immune to it so that makes the non-con games that much more important got to clean up in the non-con if you beat boys and you beat alcorn and you're five and oh headed to tuscaloosa feeling great about where this team's at yeah um okay so We'll finish it with this. Uh, we don't have to like say like this is like 100% like you're putting everything on the line. But like realistically, like what's a realistic like expectation for this team? And then like 
like like fans going into the season, like what feels like what just feels like a realistic kind of barometer. Well, I mean, I think the I think the expectation is to win twenty plus games again, right? You won twenty games last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you finished fourth in the ACC. I think that's a fair barometer to where this team will be again this year or where they could be at this year. So uh, once again, provided everybody stays healthy, my realistic expectation for the Tigers is. Fourth or fifth seed in the ACC, which mm-hmm. I think is fair. And by the way, I could, I'm being conservative with that. I could see them finishing higher. Yeah. Um, I think Duke's going to win the league. I think they're the best team, arguably, in the country. Um, and by the time that Duke gets their full form, they could win the NCAA tournament. So Clemson, anywhere from second to fifth in the ACC is where I'm currently at. I, I, I'm leaning towards fourth, maybe fifth. Sure. 20-plus um, wins. And going to the NCAA tournament and winning a game. After that, it's house money. But I think oh, sure. that, I yeah. think the Clemson team, this Clemson team, is very easily good enough to get in the tournament and win their first round matchup. And then after that, it's really all just about draw and matchups. But uh, I think the Tigers can get in as a five through seven seed somewhere in that range. Seems fair. I think throughout the entire year, you'll see Clemson in and out of the top 25. I think they're going to be on the fringe of that top 25. And that's about where a five through a seven seed would expect. So that's where I project the Tigers is fourth in the ACC, 20 plus wins, fringe top 25 team. That's probably a six or a seven on selection Sunday. I love Love it. Super fun. Um, yeah, super fun season coming up. Let's talk some women's hoops. You want to yeah. talk some women's hoops? Let's do it. Yeah, we want to hit them too. Just they they won. They're three and zero. Of course, their schedule not quite as tough yet, but it will ramp up very well, quickly. Nick Roby, it's getting tough tomorrow. <laughs> they're headed, yeah, down, yeah, they're like, headed down to Columbia tomorrow. So. Yeah, so that, how, that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, so it's like hope they're ready for that. So they get the fun. Uh, non-conference rivalry game, but they're three and zero. You know they have wins over Winthrop, Charleston Southern, Mercer. Just what's just what's been your like, just reaction and just early season. What's the feel of the of this women's team right now? I gotta give the staff so much credit. Like uh, you know, two years ago you won ten total games, um, and I don't want to say that the future of the program looked dimmer because I know I don't think that that was ever the case. But there was a lot of questions about the staff. There was a lot of questions about the trajectory of the program because I mean Butler came in. Won an NCAA tournament in her first year. um, Has recruited really well ever since. Ruby Whitehorn, McDonald's All-American, is here. So from two years ago, when Delisha exits, one of the best players you ever had, 20-plus point-per-game score. I mean, just an absolute stud. 17 and uh, they ended up 19 and 16 last year after the WNIT results, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You go to the Super 16 of the WNIT, and then this year you bring in another elite recruit for next year, which is Amari Berry, who is a five star. Joyce Edwards is the number one player in the country, makes her decision tonight. Clemson is in her top three. So, like, once again, Clemson even being in the running for the number one recruit in the country. It's it's massive. It's it's absolutely massive. So Coach Butler and staff have done such a fantastic job of using the resources that they have available to not only recruit but hit the portal and hit the portal hard. A lot of exits from last year. uh, And once again, in the current era of college sports, it's going to happen. People are upset they're not getting playing time. They're going to transfer to somewhere where they can play. That's not really an indication on the staff or or running anybody off. These girls that were coming off the bench wanted to play a little bit more, so they're going to go to programs that can that can play them a little bit more. It's the reality of the business. But what Clemson's done with this 2023 rendition of the squad, man, Day Harris is such a such a player, uh, starting point guard for the Tigers, mm-hmm. and I had a double double against Charleston Southern, and just su- she provides such a calming presence to the offense. Um, she really is fast. She can beat people off the dribble. She plays tenacious defense, and I mean her her playmaking game has come so far over the course of her career, with four years at Pitt to now. 
now really has taken over the reins there. Uh, you talk about Ruby, you know, she's back full time now and she's just going to continue to grow and blossom as a player. Um, Amari Robinson is one of the best players in the country, not conference country, period, point blank and period. Uh, all ACC big for a reason. She's absolutely fantastic as well. And then you add some other players to the fray that are going to be impact players. I mean, Danielle Roush was the starting point guard on an Elite Eight Michigan team two years ago. She's a really good floor general, still working her way back into things because she had that unique story of where she was a graduate assistant yep. last year, came out of retirement. So she's still working her way back mm-hmm. into things. But her impact is going to come primarily with leadership and being vocal, being, I mean, it's really like having a coach on the court. I mean, it's she not, had a year of coaching experience. So it's you not just coach speak. It's like, yeah, like, it's like, you know, like she was a coach last year. So <laughs> she's got a really good mind for the game and she can be a floor general. Uh, Kenzie Kramer came through the portal from Lehigh, 18 point per game score last year, shot the three ball at above a 40% clip, had 20 against Charleston Southern, heck of a shooter, heck of a scorer. Um, she's just another option off the bench. that's going to continue to grow continue to get better. And then the two transfers from Miami, Ohio, Matty Kluse and Amani Freeman. Uh, Amani experienced five that can just really is going to be a good role player for this mm-hmm. team. She can finish around the basket. She can block shots. Uh, going to bring a lot on that defensive end of the floor. So she's going to be a nice role player. And Maddie Kluse is somebody that's got untapped potential. I mean, uh, a player that had a triple-double in women's basketball last year, which is just such a hard thing to do in women's basketball. And then this year has had a nice start to the season. She can rebound. She can dish it. And she can score. So, And, and once again, all that's without even mentioning an N.O.N. Yang who's working her way back from injury. All that's without even mentioning a Nia Valentine who's now a 1,000-point career scorer. Uh, and was a, a JUCO stud at Shelton State was where she was last year. You've just you've supplemented your team so well through the transfer portal. You've got so many options. It's not even mentioning Michaela Elmore or Maddie Ott, who are part of that freshman class from two years ago that has blossomed. And Maddie's worked a lot on her game, as has Max. So this team is deep, very similar to the men's team, Nick Roby. And I think the expectation this year is to make the NCAA tournament, right? Two years ago, you win 10 games. Not looking mm-hmm. great. Last year, 19 wins. Just massive improvement in every area, offensively and defensively. Played a lot better as a team. This year, you bring in a lot of great portal pieces that are going to be able to help out your program. The next chronological step for Clemson women's basketball is to start making the NCAA tournament. They're recruiting at a high level. They're hitting the portal at a high level. They're doing things the right way. So I think if they get some breaks this year in some of these close games, they got pretty unlucky last year against teams like Notre Dame. Uh, Went down to McCamish Pavilion in Atlanta and took an unfortunate loss to Georgia Tech. People forget as disadvantaged as the men's basketball team is by playing in the ACC the women's basketball team gets all of those advantages they were on the bubble last year with I think it was a 17 and 16 regular season record or 17 and 15 regular season record they were just as much on the bubble as the men were with 23-24 wins so uh, Clemson's going to get the advantage of playing in a tough league which is going to present itself some opportunities for some big time wins and it should be interesting to see how the season unfolds I mean obviously I think they're going to lose tomorrow in Columbia that's not being negative South Carolina's loaded Nick South Carolina's put a 114 points on a ranked team. Maryland was ranked like number 14 in the country and they put up 112. So that's probably going to be a loss, but you got to get right spot against Longwood before you head to Houston and uh, Mississippi state on a neutral court could end up being a quad one game. That could be the biggest game of Clemson season. So we'll see what ends up happening, but I'm really confident with where Amanda Butler's got the program at. No, I love it. Yeah. I, I thought that was a great, a great synopsis. And I think too, like you go, you just go into those kind of South Carolina games. I don't, you just want to put up a good showing. Like, of course, you want to win, and, it, and you don't want to save moral victories. But you, you want to put like against a really good South Carolina team. Like that freshman, like she's really good, and yeah. So you just want to go into that, and get 
get. I think each one had a good performance. Good man. performance, yeah. yeah. And I think the Houston tournament is really important. I, I think what you said, I really like that. Is the Mississippi State game upcoming is really important because it could be against another Power Five team. Yeah, it could be and, quad one. They're ranked number twenty five in the mm-hmm. country. You got to roll Pine Bluff and Tulsa. That's part of going to Houston. You yeah. got to roll Pine Bluff. Yes. You got to beat yes. Tulsa. But like, man, if Clemson's coming out of the Houston Classic. And I, I'm, I'm being optimistic here, but let's just say they lose to South Carolina down in Columbia, which there's mm-hmm. no shame in that. You get right against Longwood at home and you head to Houston. And if you can sweep the Houston Classic that they're playing in, man, and you're coming back 7-1 and one in non-con with a quad one win over Mississippi State, who's a ranked SEC team, like it starts to get really freaking real what this team can do this year. So I, I'm very excited. I think this Houston Classic is so important, Nick Roby. I know the Asheville Classic was important enough for the men. This is huge for Clemson women's basketball. Huge. Absolutely huge. Can't understate it enough. And because you're, you're, it's, it's over the Thanksgiving break. Yeah. So it's like when people are home. So it is, it, it, it's more of a, a for people across the country to get to see Clemson. And also, dude, even just looking at their schedule, when they come back, they have to go to Auburn. And the SEC challenge. So yeah. the the ACC SEC are sending both Clemson to the state of Alabama on the road for 9 p.m. tip offs. We better get to host some games next year. <laughs> no, right? We better get to host these next year. Yeah, and then you get Duke at home. It's going to be a tough game. So it's a tough game. So I think I, I think that's what you said. That this classic is really, or the Houston classic is really important for this team. And going into this, I. I guess I just wanted to talk about some of these new players too, like Maddie Clues. Like I, re- I was just really impressed with when I've watched this team. I thought her and Harris. I was really impressed with her, their ability to score and give another mid-range kind of an option. Like Clues's mid-range game, I think was it just was really impressive to me. And it, that given pop, like how, like her role in this team, especially with Ruby back into the fold, and you got Amani Franklin, like. What, what do you feel like her kind of role would be on this team? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because at the end of the day, there's one basketball, right? And yeah, uh, yeah. When, when you got Day, Ruby, Cluse, and Amari all out there, and I think that what they're going to roll with a lot of the season is going to be Day, Cluse, White, Ruby, Whitehorn, Amari, and Amani at the five for now because Eno and Donna, the two other center options, are both battling injuries, which has seen a lot more small balls from Amari at the five because of a result of that. So obviously hoping that Eno and Donna can both get back quick. Um, but – Man, it's just like Cluse, Cluse opens a lot of avenues because she can shoot the three ball. Mm-hmm. Um, her mid-range game is impeccable, as you mentioned. She's got a back-to-the-basket game as well, which is like she can take smaller guards down and bang in the post. Yeah. Um, she's got good touch and good feel around the rim, and then she hustles. She hustles and she can play mix. So she's really a do-it-all type of player, and I, I don't know if Clemson has – quote-unquote positions for Cluse and Ruby, whoever's playing shooting guard or small for I think they're just both weapons. And I think that Day is being tasked with taking the lead in this offense at that point guard position. And then Cluse mm-hmm. and Ruby are just kind of her running mates on the wing and in the backcourt, however it may look. And and those girls are really talented players. So I think when you have Day Harris, Ruby Whitehorn, Maddie Cluse, and Amari Robinson on the same court, like you've got four viable ACC scoring options. And that's something that can't be understated. And also when, when you c- combine that with the fact that Day is a fifth-year senior and Amari is a fifth-year senior. Ruby now a second-year player. Kloos now a third-year player. You've got a lot of experience, and Amani Freeman at center is a fifth-year player as well. So it's not just the fact that Clemson has depth. It's it's Clemson has depth that's experience. Like 
Amani and Maddie have played a lot of college basketball. Dave's played a lot of college basketball. Kins has played a lot of college basketball. Kins already got her degree from Lehigh. Like, she's played a lot of college basketball. Danielle mm-hmm. has played and coached college basketball. This team's experienced. This team's seasoned. And uh, when you're talking about Cluse, man, it just opens another door for this Clemson offense. It's another player that can go for 20 on any given night. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And just quickly, just want to wrap up individual. We can just hit quickly um, just some other games to watch. I think Kramer and... Uh, them, their ability to hit three. I mean, even Amari Robinson's able to hit a few threes. She's shooting 60% right now. But, I mean, just Kramer, like, how good was her performance oh, a couple yeah. days ago? I mean, like, that, that's just big. Like, how many, I mean, she had over 20. She's shooting 37% with how many threes she's taken in yeah. three games. Yeah, and I mean, I was on the call for that one on Friday night against Charleston Southern when she had 20. Yeah. She was putting on a show, dude. And, and like, fun. the thing about Ken's, too, is Ken's isn't shy at all. Like, she comes off the bench. Firing. Like, she's not shy to put up that three ball at all. So, I think it's just, a, I mean, maybe it's just, maybe it's, this is an oversimplification, but she's really the women's team's Alex Hemingway. Like, improved defender, capable off the dribble, clips mm-hmm. the three ball. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a girl that's going to be able, in certain matchups, she's going to pop this year. There's yeah. going to be games where she has those 18 to 20 points because she's such a pr- prolific shooter. So, uh, you know, last year, I would say that Maddie is the other really elite shooter on the team, as you alluded to, and she's had a nice start to the season. But Maddie's really worked on her game defensively. Like, mm-hmm. she's in the rotation as much as she is right now because she is a vastly better defender than she was even a year ago. And she's really worked on that aspect of her game. So having two great shooters off the bench is a luxury. Kins provides you a little bit more off the dribble. She's got a little bit more uh, quickness and, and flavor to her game. But I think both girls are in the rotation for the long haul. Both are going to be contributors this season. And I'm excited to see what Kins can do and it also wouldn't surprise me at some points, Nick, if Clemson tries to get cute with the lineup, maybe play small ball. You could go Day, Kins, Ruby, Cluse at the four, Amari at the five if you wanted to go small. Just another avenue that you could explore. So you got a lot of mixing and matching you can do with the lineups, a lot of tinkering with certain matchups mm-hmm. where who you want starting the game, who you want closing a game. The the options are endless for this Clemson women's team. Yeah, no, I think so too. I think we hit, hit a lot of good things. And then, yeah, this, it's a fun team to watch. It yeah. really is. So going into this, like we look at their schedule, and and of course we talk about the non-conference. We don't have to talk about that anymore. But is there any another team like you talked about in the men's? Like you're looking at Duke, North Carolina for the men's team in ACC play. Are there other teams like that that you're like, man, I want to see how Clemson goes against yeah. this? Or I feel like that's a really it's an important game because of where Clemson wants to be, and like a, a team that's similar to them, or like just one like a big like a big team that you're like, oh, I want to see how we do NC it. State, Virginia Tech, easy answer. NC State, um, a lot of people are counting them off, which is stupid. Let me just tell you real quick, that's stupid. Uh, they just beat UConn, number yes. two, so that yes. was a big win for them. But they're good every year, man. They're really well coached. They're, they play really disciplined basketball. And Virginia Tech, you know, maybe Clemson's biggest win this century was last year over number seven Virginia Tech, who was a legitimate national title contender again. So, uh, you know – those are the two teams that I've got circled, but the ACC is so good and so deep that every game is a battle. You know, even the quote-unquote bottom feeders of the conference have really good players on their team that are going to be able to, like, yes. she transferred, but the last couple of years, Wake Forest was just dreadful outside of Jewel Spear, but she could win you a game on her own, and those players yes. exist on every team in the ACC, so ACC Little weak in men's right now. Women's is as loaded as ever. Best conference in the country. Um, so it's going to be a battle this year. It's going to be a gauntlet for the Lady Tigers in the ACC. But I'm interested to see how they stacked up against the nationally ranked competition. And I think it'll be good for them if they inevitably do make postseason play, which we're expecting once again to be able to stack up against the big dogs in uh, the women's basketball ranks. Yeah, I agree. NC State. 
put on a show against yeah. UConn with Paige Becker's back. Yeah. Virginia Tech is Final Four capable good. Like, that's how good this team is. They're I, very well coached. They're very well coached. And this, they, like you said, the ACC is very sacked. And I think, but that's also like how encouraging this team is. So just, I just want you to hear this stretch. North, at North Carolina, New Year's Eve, Florida State on the 7th. Then you go at Georgia Tech, at Syracuse, then this three-game stretch. Louisville at home, at Virginia Tech, NC State at home. And then you get Wake Forest, and that's your month of January. Yeah, it's not fun. That's, I mean, uh, Jan- you could say January is very important um, for both teams. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the scouts are looking like for those teams. But, yeah, that's that's going to be a fun month, man. It's gonna, You're going to figure out what you're made of real quick in the month of January. But yeah. any any game that's at home is winnable for the Tigers, in my opinion. You rarely see Clemson get uh, get beat up. Not, maybe not get beat at home because there have been some games that they've dropped the last couple mm-hmm. seasons at home. But th- those games are always competitive, man. They took Notre Dame, who was top ten in the country last year, down to the wire at home as well as beating. Uh, Virginia Tech at home so it's a tough place to play and Little John can get rowdy when the fans show up so uh, you know any game at home I'm going to give the Tigers a chance to win yeah I agree and just last thought and then I'll let you run um just what what do you feel like same question we had for the men what do you feel like just is like a reasonable expectation or what do you feel like what do you feel like this team is like this feels like a good barometer you got to get in you got to get into the, in, tournament. In the tournament for the men's I have a little higher expectations because you know Brownell has made a couple NCAA tournaments and you have a lot of returning production and you plugged holes with the portal. This was more of an overhaul on the women's side because of how many people left and how many people you brought in. But with that being said, they're still very, very talented. You can make a significant argument and a legitimate argument, in my opinion, that this is the most talented roster Amanda Butler has had at Clemson, including that first year where they got into the tournament and won a game. So I'm not going to place an expectation on what they need to do in postseason play. But as I mentioned earlier, the next chronological step in the trajectory of Clemson women's basketball with how great they are recruiting, with how great they are bringing in talent through the portal, is to make the big dance. And obviously, Super 16 to the WNIT, that's probably a top five season in program history. I mean, Clemson women's basketball historically is not a super successful program. They've had some really bad years. Coach Davis had some great years when he was here. Coach Butler had a great year her first year and has some subsequent very good years after that. But this is a program that has been starved for success for a while. And Coach Butler has brought that success back in form of an NCAA tournament appearance and a Sweet 16 uh, in the WNIT. So I feel like the next chronological step to get back on that mountain and to make the NCAA tournament is to just show up and do it. And that's their slogan this year is show up. And I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to be able to get in this year. I, I want to see them in the big dance, Nick. I think I think it'd be really fun. And then and like you said, I, I'm the same way. I don't I think it's just like you just try to get in. Once you get in, it's house money. It's, yeah. Even if you're a first four team, even if you're on the bubble and you sneak in, get in. And that getting into the NCAA tournament, if you're recruiting as well as you are right now, bringing in McDonald's yes, All Americans like yes. Ruby Whitehorn and Amari Berry, and hopefully Joyce Edwards, fingers crossed, and praying to God for that one. But if you're recruiting that well without making the NCAA tournament every year, if you can start a trend next year, and then Ruby will be coming back as a junior, yes. and, and you can hit the portal again, and you got Amari Berry coming in, number 13th ranked recruit in the country you're going to be starting a really positive trend for Clemson women's basketball Amanda Butler's already gotten her extension she's done a fantastic job but I just feel like getting in this year is very important for the trajectory of this program and for establishing yourself as arriving on the scene yeah I agree man I I agree Dude, thanks so much for, for talking hoops. It's so fun. It's always fun talking hoops. I really appreciate you taking yeah, time out of your day. Anytime you want to have me on, I'm down to talk hoops, Nick. You know that. Let's go, yeah, man. Let's, let's go. go. I love it. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. And for now, we are signing off. Have a good one.